Great. Okay, well, welcome everyone that's joining us live online for Sunday Night Local, and welcome everyone that is here in person with us this evening. And I have the pleasure of um, sharing the Word of God with you tonight, which I haven't done for a few weeks. Um, in fact, it's been since the 20th of December was the last time I did Sunday Night Local. But we have been so blessed by uh, hearing lots of other amazing Bible teachers over the last few weeks, starting with Pastor Andy, when we started our series on building the house of God. And he spoke about Jesus being in the centre and building our lives on the rock that is Jesus. And, uh, and then we had uh, Philippa the next week, who spoke about... Um, how God can turn um, ashes into beauty. She shared on the subject of beauty for ashes. And then we had Sean, who spoke about having a mind to work. Last week, then we had Nacho, who spoke about the importance of unity. And I got so much out of what you shared, Nacho, um, last week. I really felt, again, personally, God really was speaking to me. So I hope you're enjoying this, whether you have been here in person. Some of you are here every week in person. And, uh, and some of you are watching every week live online. Hi, Mum and Dad. Nice to see you. <laughs> they watch every week online. And, um, and so tonight the subject is uh, taking new ground. This is part five of the series on building God's house. So if you've got um, a scrap of paper like Tony has and a big biro, then please uh, take notes. If not, it's fine just to absorb, have a mind to absorb the word of God. I, I was trying tonight to uh, have at least one more scripture than Nacho did last week, which is quite a challenge, um, but I think I've managed to do it, so we'll see if now I can just bring them all into what I'm going to be sharing tonight. Uh, the funny thing is though, I've got all these scriptures that I'm going to share that I've actually written out on my notes, um, but I did forget my Bible tonight. So um, if there's any spontaneous, oh, Where's that in the Bible? Then I'll have to ask you guys to help me with that. Um, so, we've had a, I, I personally, I'm really enjoying the series that we're on at the moment with Sunday Night Local, and um, and to me, it's just such a relevant series to where we're at as a church family at the moment. Oh, by the way, welcome Dan. Um, he's part of our big church family in Portsmouth. Um, is normally part of City Life Church, but uh, joined us tonight, and it's lovely to have you here as well. Um, and um, just embarrass anyone else. Anyone else want to be embarrassed tonight? I can do it. I'm, I'm an expert. <laughs> um, so I'm really enjoying it. God's really speaking to me personally through this series, Building the, the House. And for us as a church, we really sense that God is bringing us into a time of rebuilding, regathering and rebuilding. And, um, and that makes it sound terrible. It makes it sound like everything has fallen apart, everything's fallen down, and that we've got to start again. But that's certainly not where we're at. What we're talking about is um, in this season, and as we do come back together and we're able to gather again and take these masks off and actually sit close to each other and enjoy conversations with each other, um, hey, won't that be unique and special? Um, when we're able to do that, um, we're really excited about the new things that God's going to do. Um, in the church, in his people, in the city and in this nation. Uh, really, really excited about what's gonna, what is going to come. Um, so, is anyone hot? Because I'm absolutely boiling. Uh, that's your cue, Richard, if you don't mind just taking it back down again just a little bit. Thank you. Um, everyone else is looking at me thinking, are you crazy? We're not cold. No, we're not hot. 
Well, anyway, you, you can't really say anything because you know you're masked up and you're sitting in the estate. So it's up to me, All right? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's really relevant this this um, theme that we're on. So, just as a reminder, what we're talking about is our individual lives being a house or a temple that God wants to fill with His presence, that God wants to dwell in, and that God wants to work through. We're also talking about us as a collective gathering of believers being a temple or a house that God wants to fill up, dwell in and work through. So that's the whole idea of this series, rebuilding or building the house. Building the house is about our lives individually and about the church as a whole. Now all that God does through the earth uh, is done through his house or through his temple. Uh, But that is his people both individually and our lives collectively. And for this reason, God wants wants us to be individually and collectively a glorious house that is built on the firm foundation that is Jesus and a house that is filled with his presence. And we've covered a number of those things over the last few weeks. Because when we are that house of God, when we are individually and together people who are filled with God's presence, then God can work through our lives and we can take new ground. And that's what I'm talking about tonight, taking new ground. Now, let's refer back to the Jewish people again, where they left the captivity of Babylon, uh, which we've spoken about a number of times, and that's, that's spoken about in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, amongst other passages in Scripture as well. And what I think is amazing as we talk about this, is that everything that happened to the Jewish people, their struggles um, as a kingdom, uh, their divided kingdom, their, um, where they were captured and taken into captivity, their time in captivity and coming out of captivity, um, it was all recorded before it happened um, because it was all prophesied. And, and that's the amazing thing about the Word of God, the Bible, is that um, there are no coincidences. It's all absolutely, perfectly sewn together by God, the Holy Spirit. And what an incredible tool it is for us as Christians to have the Word of God. Um, that doesn't just, it, it's not a his, history book, although it is. It's a, a manual for life and everything that we need to know about how to live for God in this world, in this earth, in, in this time, is in the Bible. So, anyway. So we read about the the Jews being uh, released out of captivity in Ezra. We read about how they went to rebuild the temple. And then in the book of Nehemiah, we read about how they went to rebuild the the city walls of Jerusalem. And the temple was completed in in Ezra chapter 6. The temple was completed and dedicated to the Lord. And God was now dwelling in the midst of his people again. And that was, was God's desire, that he would be in the midst of his people. The walls of Jerusalem were now about to be repaired. Um, And in repairing the walls of Jerusalem, what the Jewish people were doing, they were taking back what the enemy had stolen, taking it back for God's kingdom. God's kingdom was advanced as they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And we're talking about the natural kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that was manifest through the Jewish people. Now, let's go right back to the very start. When God created the world, he placed Adam into it, Adam and Eve, and he instructed Adam to fill the earth, to subdue it, and have dominion. So just hold that thought. 
So I've just spoken about a time when God's people, the Jewish people, were in captivity. They were surrounded by their enemies. They'd been captured by their enemies. There was no expression of God's kingdom on the earth apart from this remnant of people who were in captivity. They then went to rebuild and God's kingdom then started to advance again, naturally speaking. But when Adam was placed in this world, he was placed in a very different world. The world that Adam was placed in, the planet Earth that he was placed in was perfect. And God filled planet Earth at that stage. Um, God filled the world. Adam was instructed to fill the Earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. And the, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, filled the Earth completely at that time. Adam and Lee, Eve lived in paradise Eden means paradise. Um, they lived in a world that was filled with the glory of God. But as soon as sin came in, the kingdom of darkness entered into the world that God had created. And basically, um, although God obviously was still God, and God was still had his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom, no longer could man who lived on the earth um, just step into the presence of God um, in the way that Adam enjoyed prior to sin entering in. You know, prior to sin, it was like God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world just completely overlapped. Um, there was no divide, but as soon as sin came in, there was a cutoff, and Adam could no longer um, enter in as before into this, this spiritual realm. Now, in John 12, verse 31, Jesus actually refers to the devil as the ruler of this world, which is very different to how God had designed it in the first place. And the devil became the ruler of this world because sin entered into this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So again, here it refers to Satan as the god of this world. He's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 9, again in the New Living Translation, it says, and this is uh, when Jesus is, is in the wilderness and he's experiencing these um, different temptations from the devil. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And the devil said to him, I will give it to you if you will kneel down and worship me. So clearly we see for 4,000 years since sin came into the world, the devil was referred to here by Jesus as the ruler of the world. He was the God of this world. He had the kingdoms at this point in time in his hands. And he said, it, one of his temptations was, Jesus, I'll give all of this to you. Of course, Jesus knew who he was and he didn't need it because, you know, Jesus had left the glory of heaven. He was king of kings and he stepped into this world as a, as a servant. He, he was the son of God, yet he was also the son of man. But he didn't need any of that because he was just here to do the will of the Father. Now, God's people, the Jews, were a light in the midst of a dark world. So there's Sin came into the world through Adam and Eve. Um, for many, many hundreds of years, uh, we had Noah and the Great Flood. The world was a corrupt and dark place. Um, but then God chose Abraham, and God began to work through a, a nation of people, a tribe of people, um, who eventually became a nation. 
um, in order to establish his kingdom on the earth, to bring his light into this dark world. So God's people, the Jews, were a light in the midst of a dark world, an expression of God's eternal kingdom in the world, which revealed glimpses of God's glory throughout their history, but often the glimpses of God's glory that we saw through the Jewish nation were overshadowed by their sin and their rebellion. King Solomon, David's son, enjoyed this incredible uh, time of reigning. Um, this is probably when the, the, um, the Jewish nation was at its height and at its strongest point. And it was a glorious expression of God's kingdom on the earth with um, a glorious temple at the very center. And this is one of the keys to being a glorious kingdom was that God was in the center of his nation, of the Jewish nation. Yet, 400 years later, the Jewish people are in captivity. They get through king after king after king. And 400 years after Solomon, the Jewish people are in captivity in Babylon. They went from this, this height of this glorious reign as a kingdom to this um, to shame and, and to ruin, um, all in the, sh the space of 400 years. It just, yeah, occasionally there was a, a great godly king that would pop up and God would use, and we saw glimpses of, of God's wonderful kingdom through the Jewish people, but eventually they were taken into captivity. Now, after the Jewish people came out of captivity, there was new hope. As God's dwelling place, the temple, the house of God was rebuilt, and the ground that the enemy had stolen was they started to take it back. Yet, the glory that they'd experienced as a nation under King Solomon's reign was, was never regained. And then just, again, just a few hundred years later, um, the enemy, in the form of the Roman Empire, had taken possession of the, the, the land again. And so, 2,000 years ago, uh, this is when Jesus steps into the world. And, and at this time, the Jewish people were, were oppressed. Once again, they were oppressed. They were under the Roman uh, Empire's rule. And they were not the glorious expression of God's kingdom that, that God desired for his people to be. Yet in the midst of this darkness, yet in the midst of the enemy's reign amongst um, the Jewish people, God sent a prophet to prepare the way for the light of the world. And that prophet, his name was John the Baptist. And he came to prepare the way so that God's light could shine in a greater way than it had ever shined before or shone before. Matthew 3 verses 1 to 2 says this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Just stop and think about that. The kingdom of heaven is near. He's, he's making a declaration in the wilderness of all places, you know, in the darkest of all places, the driest of all places in the world, he is making a declaration that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, God had always desired for this world to be filled with his glory, for this world to be filled with his light. He created a perfect world. His glory filled the world. But soon darkness came in because of sin. And there was this struggle right up to this point where John the Baptist comes now and says the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus spoke of John the Baptist in Matthew 11 verse 12. 
And he said this, from the time that John the Baptist started preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. And another version it says, the violent take it by force. Okay, that's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. From the time that he came preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. So there was this, this 4,000 years where there was just glimpses of God's kingdom on the earth through, his Jewish, through the Jewish people. But suddenly John the Baptist comes and something starts to change. The kingdom of heaven starts to forcefully advance. The darkness cannot any longer hold the light of God's kingdom back. You get what I'm saying tonight? Something started to change from that moment forward. And it, and it says there, violent people are attacking it. Now, you could translate that two ways, and I think it could probably be translated either way, to be honest. Um, violent people are attacking it, as in the enemy doesn't like it, and the enemy is trying to stop God's kingdom advancing, but he has no chance. Or, violent people, in another version it says, the violent take it by force. In other words, those that really desire God's kingdom, they're like warriors running after the things of God, taking hold of what God wants to do. Um, just forcefully taking hold. God chasers, people that just are desperate for what God is doing in this time. So God's kingdom was advancing now. John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for Jesus. God's kingdom was now advancing in a great and a glorious way. And the kingdom of darkness was putting up a fight against this. The very first thing that Satan tries to do when Jesus comes into the world is kill Jesus. Um, every King Herod commanded that, that every child under the age of two, was it, should be slain. And, uh, and, and constantly there is this fight that the devil is putting up against um, Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one that would usher in the kingdom of God in a way like the world has never seen before. And I just think this is incredibly exciting. This, this battle is constantly going on now. But the great news is that Satan could not hold back what God was doing. The kingdom of heaven was advancing and there was no stopping the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, the light of the world, stepped into the world. Through Jesus, who himself was a dwelling place of God, a temple of God, he came and, and, and his father was God, the Holy Spirit. His mother was a pure virgin. It was a total miracle. God chose a pure vessel. It had to be a pure vessel that he would bring himself into the world through. God stepped into the world in the form of Jesus and, uh, and the light of the world appeared and said, here I am. Um, but he did it in such a humble way. And, and it wasn't, of course, until he was 30 that Jesus really began to preach the kingdom of God and the darkness started screaming. Jesus had to be prepared, he had to be ready, and, uh, and I just think it's amazingly exciting. So the light shone in the world, the likes of which had not been since creation. There hadn't been this level of glory, this level of light since creation. Jesus brought it back into the world, and the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not comprehend it, it says in another version in John chapter 1. Let's read that. John chapter 1 verses 5 to 9. It says, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. 
God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light that would be coming. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And John the Baptist knew it and he spoke it out, he declared it, and then Jesus stepped in and Jesus brought light. Um, Jesus brought the kingdom of God with him and the enemy, the devil, could not hold it back. It says in John 8 verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness anymore because you will have the light that leads to life. Matthew 4 verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Wow. So mankind, simply through relationship with Jesus, through believing in Jesus, repenting of their sin, and accepting what Jesus did, would now be able to experience the kingdom of God, even whilst we live in this world. We would be able to experience the incredible advancing kingdom of God, the light of the world in our lives, despite the fact that we live in this dark world. Everywhere that Jesus went, the enemy and darkness had to flee. Everywhere he went. The darkness could not stay around. But for those three, three and a half years that Jesus um, ministered and preached the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness could not be around him. It screamed whenever he came. Here's an example. So Matthew 8 verse 28 to 34. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through the area. So this is the kingdom of darkness reacting to Jesus. They began screaming at him. Why? I wanted to scream then. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Of course, they're referring to the fact that the end of time when they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go. Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire camp, town came out to meet Jesus but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. They had never experienced anything like this before. The light was shining in the darkness and the darkness could not handle it. Everywhere that Jesus went, light shone, the darkness had to flee. There is account after account in the Gospels of this happening. But also everywhere the disciples went, they were around Jesus. He was teaching them the things of the kingdom. And so everywhere the disciples went, they took God's kingdom with them and darkness had to retreat. Here's an example, Luke 10 verses 8 to 9. Jesus says to his disciples, he's sending them out. And he says, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick, tell them, the kingdom of God is now near you. 
And then Luke 10, 17 to 20, they did this and then they came back. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. He was just bringing back reality here because they were just so excited that everywhere they went, just darkness was going. They were bringing, they were carriers of the light of God. They were carriers of the kingdom of God. They were taking ground for the kingdom of God, which is what we're talking about tonight, by the way. So prior to departing from this world, Jesus, when Jesus laid down his life on the cross, um, uh, there's a few things that that he said, but, um, sorry, so... When Jesus departed from this world, he laid down his life on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. People saw him. Multitudes of people saw him. And then he ascended into heaven. And he left his disciples to it. Now, this is what he said in John 12, verses 31 to 32, just before this all happened. He said, The time for judging the world has come. When Satan, the ruler of this world... Okay, this is where he refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. Still at that time he was because the cross hadn't happened yet. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, he's talking about being lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to myself. I will draw everyone to myself. Regarding what happened to Satan when Jesus died on the cross, it says in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, You were dead. Because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all of your sins. He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them public by His victory over them on the cross. That's what Jesus achieved through the cross. Satan, the rule of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, no longer has authority to remain on this earth and to do the damage that it has done throughout history on this earth. And so God, his kingdom is advancing and God desires to advance his kingdom through you and I, his individual temples. He desires to advance his kingdom through his church. He wants our lives individually and collectively to shine his light in such a way that Satan cannot be anywhere near God's people. And that everywhere we go, the cities, the towns, the villages, everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom of God with us and Satan has to flee. Amen. So through his death, Jesus made the way for God to have a dwelling place on earth that was not limited to one physical body, as in Jesus, because God dwelt in Jesus as one man. God's dwelling place on earth was no longer now limited to a physical building, the temple or the tabernacle. No longer was God having to dwell in one single place, but actually God was able to dwell throughout the whole earth in his people. God, God's temple now encompasses every 
believer from all nations, from all tribes. And therefore, God's light is able to shine out into this world in all places like never before. God has begun the process of taking back this world through his redeemed people, through you and I. Isn't that exciting? I just think, as I was studying for this, I was like, I was getting so excited thinking, wow, like there is literally nothing that God can't do through his people um, in terms of he wants to bring healing and restoration to everyone that I come into contact with and that his church comes into contact with. That's what God wants to do. So it says in 1 Peter 2 verses 9 to 10, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. This one keeps coming up, doesn't it? Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. So we've been called, to sh- called out of darkness to shine his marvellous light. John 14 verse 12 says this, He said this to his people. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. In other words, Jesus was one individual, one temple that shone the light of God wherever he went. And he did it well. Um, But what he was saying to us, to the disciples, and to everyone that would be a disciple of Jesus, is... There's not just one temple, one human being carrying the presence of God anymore. It's every single redeemed person on the earth. It's every single believer, both together and individually. We are temples of God. We are shiners of God's light in this dark world. Praise God. When Jesus stepped out of this world, the light didn't leave with him. The lights didn't get switched off, amen? His kingdom had come near and would continue to be advanced through his people. That's you and me. His kingdom came in him, and his kingdom continues to come. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. He wasn't saying it hasn't come yet. He was saying, let's be a people who are an expression of God's kingdom in our lives, who continually are bringing God's kingdom into this dark world. So a good prayer to pray every day is, God, through my life, let your kingdom come. There was now a new temple in town, the church. The world continued to be impacted by the light of God and has done since the day of Pentecost, since the Holy Spirit came and filled up the new temple. God's kingdom has continued to advance since that day when they were first filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just refer back to that day now. Acts 2 verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit. People just like you and I, who had put their faith in Jesus, had been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. They were now cleansed and ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And every day, God wants to fill our lives with his Spirit. Peter preaches an incredible sermon. Thousands of people respond to the gospel. And in verse 40 and 41 of Acts chapter 2, it says this. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation, this dark generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. What was happening here? The kingdom of God was advancing. His light was shining. His kingdom was advancing. And it just got better and better throughout the book of Acts. We read account after account of God's light shining in the dark world. Since the moment that Jesus came into the world, the light of God has been shining brighter and brighter every day. People talk about the world being the darkest there's ever been. I think the world's always been a dark place. I think um, for 4,000 years before Jesus came, there was a darkness that, that the light could, you only saw glimpses of God's light in this planet. But since Jesus stepped into this world, there has been a light that has been shining, and I believe is getting brighter and brighter until the day that Jesus returns. And it will continue to get brighter as God's people surrender themselves to the Holy Spirit, as we surrender ourselves to the infilling of God's Spirit. It says in Proverbs 4 verse 18, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. The perfect day is the day that Jesus steps back into this world and all the earth is filled with his glory and there's no darkness whatsoever left. Until that day comes, the righteous, our lives, will shine brighter and brighter. So let's make sure we're not putting lids on that. Let's make sure we, we're not covering up the light in our lives. So as believers, both individually, corporately, we've been called by God to shine God's light in this world. In other words, to expel the darkness by advancing God's kingdom, by shining his light in this world. This is the great commission that Jesus gave us. So Mark 16, chapters 15 to 18. I told you I'd do quite well with scriptures tonight. It says this, Then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. So, expelling the darkness, pushing back the darkness. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. To me, there's no animal that is more evil than a snake. Um, they will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Come on, this is the kingdom of God, the light of God, shining in the dark world, expelling the darkness. And that's our great commission. That is what every one of us, you and I, have been called to do. Another symbol, besides the light of God, that represents God's kingdom is water. Now this world we live in, is a very dry and thirsty place that has been cut off from the living waters of God since Adam and Eve. But of course, when Jesus stepped into this world, he reintroduced us not just to the light of the world, but to the living water, because he is the living water. 
In the midst of this dry world, there is a river that is running from the temple of God. The temple of God is, is heaven, but the temple of God is God's people. We are the living temple of God. And there is a river running from the church, from God's people, and from our individual lives that God wants to bring life to this world all around us. He desires that his kingdom would advance um, as we bring the living water of God to this world. And it's exciting to be part of that. It's exciting to be someone that, that just by speaking, just by being around people, I can bring the living water to people's lives. I can bring new life and hope to people where there was once only wilderness. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. That's what God wants to do through our lives. I love the picture in Ezekiel chapter 47 where the river flowed out of the temple and it, wherever it went, it brought healing and it brought new life. Um, so just a couple of verses from Ezekiel 47, verses 8 and 9. Then he said to me, This water flows towards the, e the eastern region. Now when I think of the eastern region, I think of desert. Goes down into the valley and enters into the sea. When it reaches the sea, the waters of the sea are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. That is the river that is flowing from God's temple, the church, and from our lives as individual believers as well. And um, that river, it says it, wherever it goes, it brings life. And it says it reaches the sea and then it heals the waters. There's a multitude of fish that are, are brought in. And of course, Jesus said um, to the disciples when he called them out of natural fishing, he said, don't do that fishing anymore. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And of course, the sea and the fish in the sea represent the unsaved. And it says, wherever this river goes, multitudes of fish will be healed. <laughs> you know, we're called to take this world back for God. Bring in this river of life to the dry world that we live in. I'm sure you all agree it's still a fairly dry world. There's still a fair bit of work to be done. But um, the truth is that through God's people, um, he is shining the glory of God is shining brighter and brighter in this world until the perfect day. The fight that we have to take to advance God's kingdom isn't a physical fight. Remember the, the, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to um, basically take over the Roman Empire and just conquer the Roman Empire. Uh, but he kept telling it. He's like, no, no, that's not the plan. Um, there's a greater thing going on here, but you can't see it because you're just still thinking naturally. Um, but our, our battle... It's not a physical fight, it's a spiritual battle, isn't it? So Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Once again, this reveals that our battle 
isn't natural, but it's, it, it's a spiritual fight. We are called to shine God's light in the darkness of this world. So we can only be effective in this spiritual battle when we are filled with God's light, when we're filled with the river of life, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I've only got, I think this is my last verse, I'm going to know two more. John 7, 37 to 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. My point here is this. If there's going to be a flow of God's rivers of living water out of our heart, there needs to be a flow into our hearts. Amen? If we're going to shine God's light out of our lives, then we need to be filled with the Spirit of God that brings light and life into our lives. Praise God. So, the children of Israel, they returned from captivity. They rebuilt the temple first. God had to dwell in the midst of his people in order to move through his people. You can't bypass that. We can't make an impact in this world for God's kingdom if we're not first impacted by God's kingdom ourselves, if we're not first filled with the Spirit of God. But once the temple was built by the remnant that returned, they were able to rebuild the city walls. In other words, they took ground back from the enemy. Let's make sure God's dwelling in the midst of his people in our lives personally and in his church, then we can be used to advance God's kingdom. So just to finish off, I know we've gone a little bit long tonight, but um, that's fine. So if we're going to advance God's kingdom, we do this, I think, in three main ways. Number one, by sharing. Sharing the good news of Jesus and of the kingdom of God with others. And I know many of you are on the Soul Winner Boot Camp. And hasn't it been just a timely and a refreshing minder of what the main call of God is upon our lives? It is to go and preach the gospel, to go and make disciples. So that's one way that we personally can be used to advance God's kingdom, to shine his light, to bring his living water to others, is to share. Share the good news with other people. Um, this morning on our Zoom call before church, I think there was... Four different people just spoke about how they've been used by God this week just to sow seed, to, to speak out words of God's kingdom to other people that aren't yet saved, which is so exciting. Um, the second way I think that God wants to use us to advance his kingdom is teaching. So the first one was sharing, sharing the good news. Secondly, teaching, teaching people how to follow Jesus and how to live in the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God. So this is all about Jesus and the kingdom of God. The reason Jesus came was to bring his kingdom to us. So we share the good news of Jesus and the kingdom. We teach people how to live for Jesus and in the kingdom of God. And the third thing that we can do is living. Living our lives in such a way that we display God's kingdom in all that we do. So sharing, teaching, living. I, I think... In, in so many ways that we don't see, we advance God's kingdom 
by living according to the values and the principles and the laws of God's kingdom. So we live our lives in such a way that we display God's kingdom in all we do. So in the way that we love God, in the way that we worship, in the way that we pray um, and have a devotional life, in the way that we commit to our local church community, um, that's one way that you can live for God. Another way that we can be people that live for God is the way that we love ourselves. So the way we love God, the way we love ourselves. So, for example, the way that we invest into our marriage, into our family, into our personal discipleship, into our health, into our work life, into our social life. The way that we do all of those things, that shows love for ourselves, which is in itself a very healthy thing. God loves you. <laughs> Um, he wants you to love yourself. And by doing all of those things, you're displaying the kingdom of God through your life. And the third way that we can um, live in such a way that we display God's kingdom, we love God, we love ourselves, is of course to love others. Um, our good works, the things that we do for other people, shine God's light. And the last verse, of course, is Matthew 5, 5 verse 16. It says... Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God wants to use us to advance his kingdom. He'll use us as we share the good news, as we teach people how to live for the kingdom, and as we live for the kingdom ourselves by loving God, by loving ourselves, by loving other people. And like John the Baptist... Um, we are preparing the way for the perfect day. The church is, is here not just to shine God's light. That's one aspect of why we're here, to bring the kingdom, to advance the kingdom. But actually, in many ways, as we do that, we're preparing the way for the perfect day, which is the return of Jesus. The day that Jesus returns and fully reclaims the earth for uh, his glory, that where the, the, the day that the whole earth is fully filled with all the glory of God and there is no darkness left whatsoever. In these last days, in the midst of these dark times, the Spirit of God has been poured out upon God's people, upon the church, and we are called to shine brighter and brighter every day. And that's it for tonight. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you called us to take new ground. I thank you, Lord, that we see this incredible picture of how the Jewish people, the remnant, returned to the land of promise and they rebuilt. They rebuilt the temple first and then they took back what the enemy had stolen. And I thank you, Father, that in our lives, God, I thank you that you are... Oh, God, you're rebuilding your temple. Lord, you're, you're dwelling in the midst of your people like never before. And we want you to. God, we open our hearts to you like never before. And God, I thank you that as we do that, Lord, we will be people uh, whose lives you can just flow through, God. God, let my life be a life that you can flow through. Let my life be a life that brings your kingdom wherever I go, that shines your light, that brings your living water to those who are thirsty. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us live online. And uh, next week is part six of what we're doing. And next week we've got a treat. We've got two people sharing. We're going to have Paula Finch with Mandy Slade sharing the word of God with us next week. So we look forward to seeing you then.